Welcome to another episode of Wish I Knew, a podcast where I speak with people about their careers, focusing on their success, advice, mentoring, and listening to their really interesting stories. I'm your host, Gary Nowak, and what a wonderful conversation I had with my guest, Maya Duehi. Maya brought so much energy, passion, and a beautiful perspective to her career, and I know you're going to enjoy it. A little bit about Maya's background. She grew up in Beirut, Lebanon, studied international relations and affairs at the Lebanese American University, worked as a project coordinator for Lebanese Center for Policy Studies, Lebanese American University. She's also a project manager for a political party, foreign and commonwealth office, and Department of International Development. She is now in Dublin working with WhatsApp. Some highlights from our conversation. The magic of Dublin, and it's not just about the Guinness. I know, right? She was a news anchor for dad at age five years old. Really, really interesting story. Don't want to just record the news, but would rather analyze it. Following dad's path, think tank work in Lebanon, discussing with parents what to study. Learning and focus brings out strategic thinking. Combine practicality and emotion for success. Make it an impact with other people's lives. Areas of conflict, humanitarian issues. Learning to accept other opinions. Growing up in Lebanon. Being conservative and liberal at the same time. Witnessing trying to make a change to the system firsthand. Going to get more education. Political party consultancy. Working at the British Embassy in Beirut. Delivering education for underprivileged children. Maya is a very determined person. Discipline and perseverance define her. Taking people to the edge. Every human needs to be pushed. She loves to argue. And that's her words, not mine. Pushing people to the limit. Taking a sabbatical for one year to focus on Maya. Leading from the heart. Great regret discussion. Advice. Never give up. Money can't buy happiness, but it can buy Nutella. And... Frank Sinatra. I'll leave you with that. Okay, let me get out of your way so you can enjoy my conversation with Maya Duehi. Maya, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you jumping on a call with me today. Thanks. Thank you, Gary. I'm also very happy to take part um, with you in this podcast. It's a very exciting experience for me, and I look forward to it. Two excited people. Where are you at right now? I, at the moment, in Dublin, Ireland. Nice. One of my favorite cities. What's your favorite part about Dublin? Dublin is, there's a certain magic in Dublin. I really like it. It has a lot of history. And there's a story to tell everywhere you go in Dublin. Everywhere you walk, there's these little kind of like memorial plates that say, this has happened here. Some of it is historical in the sense of I'm very interested in that and the, the Irish conflict. And some of it is more like scientific places and some of it is related to immigration. There's so much that has happened in this country. There's a lot of history and I just love it so much. This is why you're going to be a good guest, because when I think of Ireland, the only thing I can think of is Guinness. Yet you go there for the culture and the history <laughs> and the plaque. So a little different. I just make it from one pub to another asking for another Guinness. So it's great. It's great beer. So <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. This would have been a short podcast if you said you didn't like it because you'd be like, well, we have nothing further to talk about. So <laughs> I'm always curious. What was your very first job? My very first job was a researcher and a project coordinator at a think tank in Lebanon, because I'm originally from Lebanon, and this is where I grew up, where I was born, and where I got my education and started my career. It is called the Lebanese Center for Policy Studies, and it's a very a very well-known think tank in Lebanon. It does a lot of studies on, obviously, like policies, politics, economics, and just not on Lebanon, on the whole region. And yeah, that was my first job. I was there. And nothing before that, no other job. And just to, for transparency, I interviewed your sister, which we know. So I know her first job was sort of a, an eclectic job. It wasn't a job, but at 12 years old, she was in a eyeglass shop. Yeah, my first job was a news anchor because I used to love watching the news and I used to memorize the the whole the whole edition and what I would do is that I would go to my father when he arrives home and I'm like 
dad, you know what happened today? And I would just read the news for my dad. I was so interested in that. So you took it upon yourself to memorize. How old were you? I started, well, I started my interest in politics very, very early. I think as five years, as early as five years old. When I was in like, I think in grade one, maybe. Yeah, I think in grade one, my teacher called my mother and she told her like, can you come? We, we have to talk. And my mother went obviously to school. She thought there was an issue. She was a bit worried. And then the teacher would ask her, talk a lot about politics at home. And my mother was like, no, why? Like, what? where's this coming from? She just can't understand. And then the teacher told her, well, we were starting like a little bit of history. Like they were, we were teaching uh, the kids about Lebanon. It's obviously Independence Day. So we were asking like, do you know who the president of Lebanon is? And then your daughter would jump, yes. And then, do you know who the prime minister is? Yes. Do you know, like, and she knows everybody and she's just, what, five years old? This is so surprising. And my mother told her, well, she's the news anchor at home. So, she <laughs> so you're at five years old watching the news. Your dad comes home from a hard day working like, dad, do you want to know what happened? And then you just start reciting everything. I was so interested. I'm, I still am, but yeah. And that's probably a thread through your career because I think you have a lot of, and we'll get to it. See, I had to press you. You thought your, your first job was a researcher. It really wasn't. It was a news anchor at five years old. See, got to keep asking. You got to keep digging a bit. Do you mind if we walk through your career? Let's start at university, what you studied and why you studied what you did. If that's okay. Sure. Absolutely. When I first, well, it was a very tough decision for me to decide what I wanted to do because at school I was really good and I went into the life sciences track because it would give me all the opportunities to go into engineering or to go into biology like medicine and my parents really wanted me to they didn't pressure me but they weren't thinking that I would do something in the humanities field they were thinking more like my dad was like medicine like medicine is too long for a girl because like you get a study on I don't know how many years you really want to do it regardless girl or guy but it really takes a long time it's not that you're going to be 25 or 30 years old and graduate no this is not going to happen this is when you're going to start studying maybe you really want to do this I I thought a bit of mechanical engineering because obviously of my dad's background what's your dad's background my dad is a businessman, but he has a background in mechanical and he's worked all his life with automotives. So it's his background. And yeah, I was very interested in that as well, as in it's like my, what my parents do something like that. And I don't know. So I was very confused. And then I got some sort of scholarship to start studying pharmacy, but it never really went there because after like really, really deep conversations with my parents, we came to the conclusion that I might want to study journalism, for example. So I, I, I went into school thinking that I want to become a journalist and I started studying. The first the first semester or trimester whatever I was like I went back to my parents like listen I don't like this I, I'm not gonna do this for the rest of my life I'm sorry I didn't study pharmacy because I wanted something with interaction and pharmacy doesn't have a lot of interaction and I don't just I don't want to be someone who is actually recording the news I want to be the person who analyzes the news so yeah this is when I decided to actually start pursuing something that is related to political science, political history. And I did that with a combination of economic development. So that was the, that was my undergraduate. And then I continued my graduate studies with like international affairs, international relations and with a concentration in conflict management. Yeah, because at five years old, you were reporting the news. So you've been there, you've done that. To heck with that right? Yeah. That's the old me. Now That's I want to start. <laughs> exactly. And you're probably like 14 at this time or whatever, 18. So you threw a lot there. It was life sciences, a lot of humanities. You thought about mechanical engineering because your folks, it sounded like your folks were a big impact for you, or you said you had a deep discussion about that. And then everybody's in favor of, the, everybody was in favor of the poli-sci, political science, and the economic development once you landed on that did it feel right how did you know it was right I knew it was right because it's just 
there's something, there's a driving force inside you. It's the same if you're an artist and you are going to study art or you're um, like a pianist, you like it, you feel yourself when you're doing it. You feel most happy, most at ease. You feel like you're in your zone. So it really felt in my zone and I liked it because when we started studying like the material and it was so interesting like i was starting what happened in the world history how is this world made up how are our governments our policies how's like this whole world order shaped it was so interesting for me and i learned a lot from it i learned because i i really try to read and learn because i feel and it was unconscious at that time. I really feel like when I learn and focus on something, it really helps me bring out my strategic thinking. It really helps me put forward planning. And yeah, I really realized that this is what it was doing to me. But that was at the later stage. When I was in school, it just felt right. I just felt happy. I didn't understand what was going on with me, but I think this is what was really going on. You were very aware of it just felt good. It felt good from your head, your heart, your gut. Ah, this Is that advice you would give to younger people when they're struggling to figure out what they want to do with their lives or what they want to study at university? I would. I would always like I always encourage people to do what they like. But I would also always encourage people to think of what's feasible. So if they can combine both. I think it would be really good. Like my cousin, I have my cousin on my dad's side. She's hitting about 18 years old now. And I was talking to her on WhatsApp and she was telling me that she likes to be like a psychologist or kind of some, she wants to do something in the domain of psychology. And her parents were worried about her because she's a very sensitive person. So they were worried like, okay, you're going to have all those people who are going to give you your worries. Like what's going to happen? I really, I, I know her for a fact that she likes to bring the best out of people. She has a very nice side of her. She has a lot of empathy. And I told her like, you don't really need to be like a psychologist to do, to help people because your whole point is to help people in their in their study, in their struggle, sorry. You could, for example, become like a coach, a mentor. You can focus on other sides that could help people at the same time. It's good for your business future. It's good for your kind of what your parents are worried about. And I think you will enjoy it more. I think combining both the practicality and the emotion is the key for your success. If you want to be happy in your career, obviously you can become a doctor because you're a smart person, but you don't like medicine and then you spend the rest of your life unhappy, but it doesn't mean you're not going to be a good doctor. You with journalism, it's the same thing. You got in there, you thought about it. No, something's not right. Political science, is that still, uh, that's good for you? That's how you graduated and it felt right? Yeah, it felt exactly right. It's what I care about. I really care about people. And I would, I always thought of myself as in terms of what do I want to do in my life? Do I want to do something that helps me make a good life alone? Or would I want to do a job that helps me impact and improve other people's lives? And at what scale, which one would I want to do? And I really feel a lot for people. And I really feel like this is something that you can do that is really meaningful, that it can bring some sort of change, some sort of impact on other people's life, your life included. It is for everybody. So it's interesting. It's very difficult. And I'm not saying that all the work that you do impacts a lot of people, like a lot of people's lives, but in some angles, yes, it does. It does. And this is what I ended up doing. Like I ended up working on areas of conflict. I also worked for on humanitarian issues. So yes, I, I did do that. Where did you go after graduating? Was that the researcher job that you mentioned? Yeah, that was my first job. So researcher in Lebanon, you did that. And who did you work for? I worked for, it, it was a very young project manager at the Lebanese Center for Policy Studies. And obviously, interestingly enough, we saw things from different perspectives, but it was very funny because first of all, I, I really enjoyed it because these all of these political debates and we were working on engaging youth in the elections in Lebanon. So it was like very interesting for me and very triggering because 
my ideas wouldn't, we wouldn't align. And he wasn't very happy, but we took it as a joke. It was very triggering. But he also, he was a very challenging person and he wasn't demanding in a very bad way, but he had expectations. He's really smart. He's someone who has a PhD now. And he's very, so he really had expectations. So if you would go with him with something not good enough, he just look at you and like, are you serious? Are you serious? Is this what you did? So there was always this, I think he, he helped me. He pushed me a lot. He taught me to be professional. What company? Who did you work for? What company? It was called the Lebanese Center for Policy Studies. It's a think tank that I worked for. Yeah. That experience, because you said it was triggering. And what I find fascinating about it is even though you weren't in sync with somebody, you learned how to get the best out of each other. Is that fair? Yes, we did. I learned uh, that I learned two things. I learned that I can really push people to the edge, really push them. And people can get very emotional about things. And I learned that I need to be very cool about accepting other opinions, especially when it comes to politics that I don't agree with, because there are so much more different opinions in the world. It's not just, it's not just, I don't know, like two different opinions. And at the beginning, I used to think that it was that, like I support X and the other person supports Y, and this is what's what it is. And then you realize, oh no, there is like this person with this idea, this person, like it's so diverse. It just changed my understanding of how this society is working. So it was very, for me, it was overwhelming because I would go home and keep processing because it was the first time I get exposed to so many people from, the, because we were bringing people from all over Lebanon, from all the different political affiliations. And we were putting them in one room and I was looking and I was like, oh, this is much more complicated than I actually thought. Yeah, that was my first experience with it. What was it like growing up in Lebanon? What was it like? I would like to start by saying it was very nice. Lebanon is actually one of the most underrated places in the world. It, a lot of it, unfortunately, is purposely portrayed or pictured or painted in a certain image, which is not true because 99% of Lebanon is not what they show you on TV. So if you live in Beirut, you have a very good life. You get really good education very good healthcare, really good friends, beautiful weather. There's snow in the winter. There's like full-fledged summer in the summer. Spring is great, beautiful scenery. It's amazing. And the way you are brought up is very interesting. And there's something in Lebanese people where there's this mixture between being conservative and being liberal at the same time. It's a very interesting mold. So it was always interesting and happy. But when you're growing up and you start thinking of your future, this is where it starts getting worrying because you realize that there's a lot of uncertainty in this country that you don't know, like you're happy, you want to stay, you're not sure if you can. It, it starts becoming very worrying, very, and the experiences, you start experiencing different things that you shouldn't be experiencing, I think. Like, I don't know, sporadic wars to, I don't know, like uh, very difficult. Like the country went through a lot of shakes. I, I hit 18 years old. I was in 2003. By 2005, we had a huge assassination. My whole country was changed. People were polarized across different political ideas. It started getting very difficult. The economy started getting more strained day by day. And then we had a huge war in 2006. So for someone who was growing up, you're 21 years old and you're looking around you and you're thinking like, how's this going to, is this life? Like, how, how is it going to be possible to continue? It's a beautiful place. We can still go out and have fun. But what about, what about my dreams, my ambitions? All of these things come in question and they are very difficult when you are not old enough. You don't understand a lot of these things when you feel that, I think most of young adults have the perception that their parents are old school and I don't think their advice will work for me. So when you hear your parents' advice, you're thinking like, nah, this is not what I want. So I think it's, yeah, I think the best way to put it is it's worrying, but it is a nice experience to have, but it's full of worry. So how has growing up in, in Lebanon impacted you and your career? How has it impacted me in my career? In many ways, 
I think growing up in Lebanon impacted my career because I just realized that there are a lot of people who are stuck in limbo in life. They're, they're, and it really makes a difference in their life if there is a change in the system. And it's not easy to bring change to a system. I saw a system being changed. I saw my friends being jailed. I saw my friends taken to trial because they, uh, I don't know, they were protesting against a certain government policy or they didn't want that politician. Or at the time, there were some Syrian troops in Lebanon at the time, so they didn't want them there. So they were either being jailed, they were facing a lot of trouble. So I was thinking that, It's not easy to push change in a system, especially when the system is stronger than you. So I really wanted, I had interest in understanding those systems, interest in understanding why, is this good? Would it be better? Because especially at that time, when I was uh, 18 years old, there was the American war on Iraq. And for me, I obviously think Iraq was a dictatorship. It's not a, it's not a good place to, to live. It's not easy. But then you see that, okay, this dictatorship was removed. Look at the alternative. And then you start thinking, okay, these systems ex- exist. How do you change them? It's not easy. And like, how's, like, you know, how are these societies built? How will they reflect? So it was all a very reflective period for me to understand. But it did actually really influence the areas, the jobs, the projects that I did choose in the future to work on. Where did you go after the researching job? After the researching job, I went back to do more research, but I went back to study my graduate studies. And at the same time, I was working in a research in a conflict transformation organization, which belonged to my university. And there I learned a lot about working more on human rights. I contributed to a lot of these stuff. I was working as a kind of project manager there, actually a project manager assistant there. And yeah, it's where I started. Uh, it was more admin, admin work, but it's where I started understanding how to manage those projects, how to work about it. So this was my next job. And after those, I did some work with a political party in Lebanon, tried to establish uh, a little bit of it because it's like a code of conduct. I did some consultancy work there. I, I helped them. And then I moved to work for I, I, at the British embassy in Beirut. But obviously I was working on the Syrian conflict from different places. And after that, I moved to the development sector and I worked a little bit on education, managing international partners, delivering education for underprivileged children, which also was, it was a very powerful project that I led because as you see the world in many different places slip into more and more and more war and conflicts, you realize that the weakest people are actually, they're the weakest link and they are the ones paying the highest price. And in many conflicts, it's the children, they lose their childhood. They lose their opportunities. They lose a lot. There are, they lose a lot of things. They're basically the biggest losers. Sure. So this career path, reflecting back into when you were at university, that it felt right. Is this career path that you're on? Is that does it all feel right with you? Like, yeah, this is what you were meant to do. Yes, it does really feel. It really feels what it's the right. It was the right thing for me to do, and I was very lucky. I worked in organizations that really value their stuff. They put an effort into making you a better person and they do have really good values for the work that they are delivering uh, anyway. So I feel that part of it was, yes, I'm happy to be doing this job because I like it. But I think part of it is I'm happy because I was lucky to land on jobs that were satisfying enough, that were challenging enough. I don't think everybody who studied, even if they had, they shared my same passion. I don't think some of them might have regrets because working in, in this field, 
is not the most lucrative business you can ever go through. Some people do have, obviously, it's a very wide field. So you could just basically, a lot of my friends, my colleagues, like my university, like my university classmates, they don't work in, in the field. They work more as consultants. They work with businesses. They work in, for international companies and banks, private banking. They, they move to different sectors because it's not very easy to land on a job that is satisfying enough, but I had the willingness to do it. And I, I think I did. <laughs> what do you do well? What are your traits that have led to your success? Thus far? I am a very determined person, but I think one of my, my strengths was pointed out by one of my friends. And he told me, he told me, I am amazed at how disciplined you are. I really have a lot of discipline. And I think this is the key for my success because when you have discipline i really came to believe that in life that when you have this discipline and perseverance it's the only way to get you where you want to go because when you have both of those nothing can stop you in the sense of not i don't think this is the right word i think nothing can discourage you you, you will not be discouraged because you have a goal in your head and you're working to, towards it so if today was not a good day you just continue and tomorrow is going to be a good day but if you lack those i think at the first obstacle you're going to say you know what i'm not that invested i'm just going to go somewhere else it's a good combination i don't know that i've ever put the two together because perseverance is continuing to go at it and discipline is the structure and how you go at it. I would, the combination, they really complement each other because with one or the other might not work. But then you had mentioned something earlier that I wanted to talk about is you said one of your, I guess, great traits was pushing people to the edge and you lit up as you are now. When I say it, what do you mean by that? Pushing people to the edge? I realized that every person has the ability to go to the edge every person. This is something that is innate in every single. So I've met a lot of people throughout my career, but the one common denominator. Define the edge. What do you, what do you mean by the edge? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do right now. Okay. So the edge is <laughs> patient. Be patient. <laughs> the edge is, it could be many things. The edge could be, could be, could come in many different shapes or forms. It could be, you're going to exhaust their patience, or it could be, you're going to really annoy them to get to do something. It could be so many things, but getting people from point zero, from uh, let's say couch potato to actually the edge is the only thing you can really achieve with every single human being and get a result. It really is. It's the one thing that all humans share. Everybody needs to be pushed. It's, you could get them to a point where sometimes the, the outcome can be different, some people might walk away, some people might, but I really know where to stop. And for me, it's very nice because I like to see people wake me, you know, shaken, shaken in a good sense, engaged, engaged in, in, in a communication, engaged in saying what they want. Because if you're pushing them to do something they don't want, they're going to get to a point and say, this is not what I want. This is what I want. And at some point, they wouldn't even have realized what they want. But this continuous push actually triggers them to say it unconsciously. So you're a catalyst. What's driving that? What's your motivation to do that? What's my motivation? First, my love for argument. I really, I'm very argumentative to an annoying degree that I really like to manage that. I, I like to argue. Argue, you know, I'm very, I like to debate. I like to argue. I like to challenge. It's, I love it. It just makes me, it's, it's an activity, a fun activity for me. It's not for the person who's, who's talking to me, but for me, something very interesting. I just enjoy it so much. Does your husband like to argue as well, as much? Yeah, I was going to tell you, well, my husband is very argumentative. Yes. Oh my God, that, yeah, he is. We do have a lot in common. My husband is very smart and he can also drive people to the edge. <laughs> so the two of you in a heated argument, what does that look like? What does it look like? Most of the time I have to say, okay. <laughs> you tap out. That's enough. Yeah. What do you want me to say? But you do it. I thought you said it was interesting because you push somebody to a point where they, we all have guards up and we all have armor on things that we don't want to say. But I think it, feel, it felt like you pushed somebody to just let everything down and say, I don't want that. I want this. And then 
in your mind, that's okay. That's what I was looking for. And it's very giving of you to the other person. Maybe they hadn't thought about it. It just gets blurted out and you feel a sense of pride. See, I knew you didn't want what you said you want. And this is the truth. It's not, well, the gratitude for me is not, well, I do it for so many reasons, but one of the reasons is I want, I have, I feel a lot. One of the, one of the people that there's a, like one of my doctors, actually, he told me, you have a problem, which is very similar to my daughter. And I was like, what is it? And he said, you feel too much. This is, and then I was thinking, probably this is the driver because I want that person to be happy. I want that person to know what they want. I want them to be able to do it. I try to push them out of my concern, out of my, but also it's a very satisfying process to me. Like all of this is very interesting. I really like it. But you feel like you're in total control of your emotions because you can be very stoic with arguments and you don't get drawn into it. I think you had said you could take one side of either argument and you're fine with both. It came with a lot of effort. No, it wasn't like that at the start. It was crazy at the start. It was just me. I had this very raw skill, which I, I worked on. But at the start, yeah, it was very raw. Like with my friends, I'm sure like they love me and I'm very grateful that they decided to stay my friend. However, it's not easy going out to dinner with you sometimes, right? Yeah, especially like I just realized one thing and I... Oh boy, here we go. I'm not the person you want to go to if you have a problem because I'm not going to tell you that it's okay, it's fine. I might tell you that for what, five seconds? But after that, I'm just going to turn into that. Like, you can do it. What, why are you doing this? No, no. And then I don't, like, I just want you to get us, what's the solution? Let's get over it. Now we process the, I process emotions very quickly. And not this is not necessarily a very good thing. Sometimes it's a very bad, I, I think it's a bad thing, actually. You should take time to process your emotions. But for me, I just process them very quickly. And I'm like, okay, what do I do now? What's next so on a on empathy on a scale of one to ten ten being you're extremely empathetic one is you have no empathy where do you sit on that scale it's not that i don't have empathy it's that i do have a lot of empathy like 10 but i didn't know how to show it the way i showed empathy is let's find a solution for your problem when people didn't want help to find a solution for a problem at that time they just wanted can you listen to what I'm going through. And I'm like, yeah, I listen, but like, how is my listening going to help you? It's not going to help you. But I realized later on that it will. It does. Can we talk about mentoring for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Have you had any or how has mentoring impacted your career? Yes, I've had mentoring, of course. I've had mentoring both on the job and outside the job. I've had a personal kind of development. She's really nice. She's also based in Lebanon. I've worked with her for quite a time, but the impact she had on my life is huge. When was this or when is it? Is it now? No, it is around maybe, well, when it, yeah, it started, I think around 2019 when I signed up to, to work with her one-to-one as, a, yeah, I decided because around 2019, I was trying, I was thinking that, Okay, I've been doing my whatever I've been doing for around what eight years, and I was thinking it's time for me to make a change. But I don't want to come this. I don't want this a career change, not career change. As in, like I want to change organizations, but I didn't want to change in an in a way that is not planned. Again, this is me being very strategic and wanting to plan stuff. So I was thinking that how can I better know what I want and where? Like, I, I was just thinking that, okay, Maya, look at yourself from 18 years old to now. What do you want to improve in yourself? What could you do better? What is this? What is that? And I was thinking, yeah, I have all those stuff. Like, I want to work on them. How do I start? So I researched and I found that person. She could help me. And I had decided that by 2019, I'm going to take a sabbatical year. And that year is going to be focused on me. I'm going to be the theme of that year. And it really was. <laughs> I changed a lot of things. I, I, I did a lot of, um, it was an everyday exercise where I think clearly of my life, of myself, of what I want, of how can I improve, like constantly assessing and reassessing. It took an effort, but it really paid off drained already what made you do that there were a lot of trigger buttons part of it was that i was not anymore feeling as satisfied with what i was doing as i was at the start 
And part of it was like, I'm sure I can be a, I can be better. So how can I be better? I want to focus on myself. So this is how it was triggered. It was more triggered by, it was the, the initial trigger was that I'm so fed up. I want to do something else. That was the initial trigger. Where were you at the time? Who were you working for? I was working for the Department for International Development. It's the British government. Like it, it is, I don't know, USAID. It's like the United States. Yeah. So it is the UK aid. So it is the department or the humanitarian branch of the British government. Okay. In where were you located? I was in Beirut. Okay. So up until now, you haven't left Beirut. Everything, everything's been in Lebanon, right? I've been doing, no, because of my work, I was obviously traveling a lot, but, but two, three months was always the base. What was always coming back to Beirut. Yeah. It was always going back to Beirut. So getting back to the sabbatical year, what drove that? As I told you, what drove it was more like, I want to do something different in the same field, but, but different. I want to do, I wanted to do things differently. Most of the time, I feel that I do have a tendency to lead from my heart. I do have a tendency to do that. And I was just not feeling it anymore, not in a bad sense, but I was like, I want to continue doing what I'm doing, but I don't want to continue doing what I'm doing. Or do I want to do it in a different way? What could I do? And this is what triggered, like, I was thinking that this could be a combination of too many things. This could be a combination of you've worked 12 years. You really need time to process this whole thing. You never took time to process 12 years of your life. Like you really need that. So much has happened on the personal level, on the professional level, everything. So so many things happened. 12 years is a very long time. So I was thinking to myself, I think it's about time where you look after yourself for your own good. It doesn't really have to be a complete year. It could be just maybe six months. You take them as much time as you want, but not more than one year. That was my goal. Did you go anywhere? Did you travel? Were you just... I yes, I, I did. Well, the first trip I did was actually as soon as I said, I'm, I'm leaving. And I went to the US with my sister. Yeah. And it was very great fun. What city? We went to New York course it was great fun we've I've been we've been there before but it was great fun how long did you go we went for two weeks two full weeks yeah it's nothing but my sister had to travel back for work so she had to go back and our cousin in the United States also met us it was great fun so you use that do you recommend that for people sabbatical year I do yeah I do but I, I don't really recommend it for I do recommend taking a sabbatical year if that year is going to be focused on the personal development. If you want to take a sabbatical year to chill in the Bahamas, you could do that by all means, but it's not what my what, what I think it should be used for because losing one year of your career is not worth it unless you're going to improve yourself, from my point of view at least. Right. You mentioned something that I want to touch back on about regrets. And how do regrets either affect your decision-making or looking back, have you, do you regret anything? Well, of course, regrets shape every single decision I make now and in the future. They do. Why? Because as I said, as I told you, no, I told you when we started talking about my, my choice of, of major, and I said that I really like history because history teaches us a lot. And it's meant to teach us a lot. And it helps you strategically build for the future. So for me, um, if you want to try something that you've already tried, I, I don't think this is a good idea. So I think in, in, in Lebanon, we have some sort of saying that says, if you try what's been tried, then your brain is not working properly, something like that. I, I really feel that if I could avoid, well, I don't really think about regrets as regret. The, the regrets is the feeling I feel about thing, but the outcome, what I would take away is a lesson learned. And I don't really like to repeat mistakes. I prefer to draw lessons, but the, I, I look at regret now as a feeling. So how do I feel about that time? I feel regrets. I feel that I could have done better, but you know, taking this to the future, there's a lesson 
and I learned it. So why would I repeat it? It is absolutely in everything I decide, everything I've ever regretted is present in every single decision that I take. That makes sense. Because, well, I view if I don't do something, I'm going to regret it. And that's where some of the decisions I've made have been around that. Of There's an opportunity for me to go to this or take that job. It's like, you know what? You, you can get something good out of everything. But I think regrets are sometimes things that people didn't do rather than things that they did, unless it was catastrophic and something. That but that's also included in all my decisions, because if like I have a decision to make and I think, no, I'm not going to do this. And I'm like, I remind myself, well, Maya, you didn't do that last time. So maybe you should do it this time. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. There you go. Any advice that you've gotten over your life that's been impactful for you? Yes, I God, well, I, I, as we were, we were talking about regrets, one of a very good advice that I got is don't regret anything in your life. And it came from a senior colleague I've worked with because I always, I never really dwelled. I, I don't know if I want to say it that way, but I, I always had a lot of guilt as a result of something that I didn't do well. So this is where I decided based on, we've had a very long discussion and this is where like mentorship comes in. Cause I had a lot of men mentors. I didn't have one consistent mentor, but over periods of time, they were changing, but consistently they were mentoring me. And it was more that the focus is on the lesson that you learn. It is not on the thing that happened if it's if it's good you're going to be happy about it but also you shouldn't even dwell on happiness if it's the bad thing and yeah that was a very good piece of advice for me because it helped me i needed it at the time and it really affected everything i do and it changed a lot of things in me it changed the way i think about things it changed my perception it actually changed my perception of adversity it really it really changed many things and i i think as short as it is as a really impactful and effective as it was what advice do you give to people never give up gets back to your discipline and perseverance right yeah never give up i don't believe that anybody should give up on their dream or on themselves they shouldn't you could give up on i would say forget and let go yes obviously this is a very good piece of advice and it's very useful but if it's yourself and if it's your dream you're who you are. No, you should never give up. You should always try. I like it. Three words, very simple. And just to tie back to what you were saying previously, just about the process. I've always said it's always about the journey, not the destination. Once you get there, what are you learning from that journey? It's like a goal. You have a goal, but it's what did you do to reach that goal? That's, that's the fun part. That's the inspiring part. I think that journey uh, and this is what I'm going to teach my kids. The journey has to have a lot of fun. It should be like, it should be like a really, it should be fun. And it should be very rich in the sense of what are you learning? How are you becoming a better person? And how are you helping others? This is very important. It should be very, I don't want to say selfless, but it should be very considerate. You should be considerate of others. And yeah, just take it as just let's you're going surfing. Let's see what happens. So what does the future look like for you? The future for me looks very, well, there are two futures, I guess. There's a future of the world. And if you look at the world around us, you realize that I'm not sure where we're going, what's going to happen. But if you read history, you know that something's going to happen. I'm not going to tell you what it's called, but it has happened over and over and over it Always again. does. Everything's cyclical, right? Are you talking about like an ice age or something or global warming? Warming or war or hey, everything's on the table because everything has happened. Sometimes it's in your within your control. Sometimes it's out of your control, but it hasn't happened for a very long time now. So what is going to happen? It might not. I hope it won't. But, you know, given everything we're going through, if you read the international news, it's questionable. When is the question? <laughs> when is this going to happen? For me on a personal level, it looks very promising because even in the worst times, and this is what I believe, and not just for me, I think for on an individual level for, level, for every single person, even if there's, a, I don't know, a war or an ice age or whatever, we're going to all be impacted. But on an individual level, we can still 
have something good. There is always something promising in line for in store for every single person. For me, if you're asking me how is it looking, I think it's looking very promising. What does success look like for you going forward? What does success look like for me going forward? Success for me looks like obviously I'm married, so having my own family is a huge success for me. I think it will be one of the major successes in the world. I really look forward to motherhood. It's something that I really will enjoy. I'm really looking forward to. It's one of my primary goals to be honest I, I really want to be a mother and have kids and this is my my priority my family and not just my family with my husband my family also with my parents my sister my, my entire family having a happy healthy family is is my major success I think and I think the other thing is would be helping others realize their potential or optimize for the future. This is something that I would like to achieve too. I have some like ideas in mind how to do that. And it's one of the goals that I really would like to do an an impact uh, on. So for example, like if I want to build a business, my whole focus would be how is this business going to help the community? How is it going to be good for others? How is it going to be for good for the people who are going to work in this business? For me, that is success. What's been your best career decision? My best career decision. I think my best career decision was when I felt something was going against my principles, I had to drop it and just leave. When did that happen? I really have to say it happened at, at, a, really, at a really very well paying, very well uh, job. But it just went against everything I, 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 I believed in. So I had to just drop it. I like it. That's a good one. And final kind of heavy question. And then we're going to get into some fun questions if you have time. How has being a woman impacted your career, do you think? In every single way. It did. Only every single way. Every single way. It impacted my career in shaping my decisions in the way I viewed things. It impacted my career in the way I managed things. It impacted my career in the way I was perceived because I'm a woman. So it did actually that impact every single part of my career. It did. And not necessarily always in a bad way. Sometimes it was in a good way. But the majority of the time, it actually created a challenge rather than anything else. Right, right. So two things that have a threat through your life, being a woman and regrets, those two things always at the forefront of how you move forward and how you make decisions, it sounds. No, not being a woman, to be honest, with all due respect to a lot of my feminist friends and feminists out there in the world, they're really doing a good job. But I really prefer to look at myself as a human. And I do actually really have at the at the at my heart the best interest also for for men like I want men and women to be happy people and this is what I have at heart for everybody and I don't look at myself as as, obviously I do look at myself as a woman but from a different angle but in general I think what really impacted me is or actually still impacts me is being human I've been doing quite a few podcasts I have never taken more notes on any, my whole page is filled up with stuff. <laughs> I think it's time for some fun questions. Do you have a, a few minutes for that? Absolutely, yeah. Favorite movie or book? Favorite movie or book? Well, I have both, but as I told you, my favorite movie was just very recent because my husband introduced me to Inception and I've never really seen that before, but I really enjoyed it because it has so much potential in explaining the power of the thought. The power of the thought, thought is the most powerful weapon in the world that anyone or any, 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 the most powerful possessed weapon. It's the thought. Good point. Because in Inception, they were just going to try to implant the thought into somebody's head while they were dreaming. That's the fundamental background, right? I tell you, I, I had to watch that movie like five times. A, because I kept falling asleep. B, it's you got to figure out where you're at. It keeps going layer after layer after layer after layer. It's like, where am I? So did you just watch it once and you got it? 
Yeah, I just I watched it once. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's really it's a it's a great movie. DiCaprio, guy's a good actor. He knows what he's doing. He's on it. What's your favorite meal? My favorite meal. Actually, my sister was just asking my mother yesterday what is Maya's favorite meal, and my mother was like, "It keeps changing." <laughs> so your mom's joining you in Dublin shortly. Do you have a list of? Hey, mom, I need you to cook all this stuff for me. I do, I do, I do, I do. Particularly like a lot of Lebanese dishes. Lebanese food is great. That's constant, but there are so there's a very wide variety of Lebanese food that sometimes I really don't know if I like hummus or baba ganoush. I'm like, which one is it? Hummus or I don't know if you know what baba ganoush is, but it's like this uh, aubergine puree that's done with sesame oil. It's really good. And I'm like hummus or that. Like what? What do I really want? I, I don't know. Do I want falafel or shawarma? Like which one? I don't know. Today I like them both. One day I like shawarma. The other day I like falafel. I'm really not sure. Okay, well, that's all good. Are there Lebanese restaurants in Dublin? Oh, there are. Yeah, there are plenty, and they're really good. There you go. Food travels. It's the best thing ever. What is your favorite vacation spot? Mm. Oh boy. I don't know. Thinking. Mm. Okay. Let me ask you this. On a vacation, do you want to go back to somewhere you've been before? Because it's like an old sweater, it's comfortable. Or do you want to be adventurous and try something new every single vacation? I think you're really exploring that side of me is that I'd, it, it changes. It depends. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I actually could take two vacations. I don't have any problem. We could do a bit of both. Okay. So, all right. So I can't nail you down on meal because your mom doesn't even know a vacation spot. All right. Let's try this one. It's a three-part question. I give you $100, $1,000, or 100000 What are you going to buy? You have to spend it. You can't invest it or pay off debt. That's too fiscally sound. A hundred bucks, you got to spend it. What are you buying? A hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, I would buy Nutella because money can't buy happiness. But if you buy Nutella, it's basically the same thing. It's a lot so of Nutella. Buy a lot of, yeah, well, I can give it also to my friends and family. They'll be happy. <laughs> it's a jar of happiness. Maybe that's your favorite meal. We've hit on it. Going to pull it out of you. Okay, $1,000. What are you going to buy? $1,000. What am I going to buy? That's very tricky. Maybe, what would I buy for $1,000? Can we buy, I don't know, some sort of art? Ah, First time I've heard that. That's great. Art can really, what type of art do you like? Art and investment, but in a very smart way. <laughs> well done. You found a back door into my question. <laughs> and I didn't even know it. I was like, oh, art, that's a good one. But then you're pointing, what kind, what type of art? Anything really, anything that I like, that I feel a connection with, I would buy. Like a painting, a sculpture, or? It could be a painting. It could be a sculpture. I think mostly a painting. Could be painting or a carpet. I like carpets. I like Persian carpets. Sure. Like yeah, I'd like. Who doesn't? You just can't walk on it if it's the investment that you're buying it for. Which yeah, is... no, for the wall. You yeah. Have it on. Yeah, because yeah. you're not going to walk on the wall. A hundred thousand. What would you buy? A hundred thousand. Yeah, this would be impossible for you. Hmm. Well, maybe I should have a hundred thousand. Is uh, what would I buy for a hundred thousand? You can redo. No, I can. What would I buy for a hundred thousand dollars? right now to uh, many things many different things i would buy some vacation for my family okay now we're now we're getting somewhere we're gonna go have fun all of us together i would buy a little garden no but i would buy a piece of land and okay plant oh. organic stuff in it well that's also a business but i would really like to eat organic stuff that i plant myself so i would use the hundred thousand dollars to have a huge organic garden that has so many different things. Okay. That's a good answer. Oh, and I could buy, if I have a little bit left, a horse, because I like riding and it just makes you so free. So feel so free. So you could buy a horse. So it's a horse. It's a family vacation and it's this big organic garden. Okay. All right. Any music concert artists dead or alive? Who do you want to see? Music artists dead or alive that I would like to see. Hmm. I think there's an echo on this podcast. I think they're both dead, but I would like to see them. I'd like to see Frank Sinatra. I'd like to ask him, why did you sing my way? Like, why? What made you trigger? What, why do you want to do things your way? Can you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> why is your way the best way? There's other ways, Frank. <laughs> okay, so you're going you're gonna to take Frank Sinatra to task and ask him why, he, why, why he's doing it his way and not somebody else's way. 
Yeah. No, I like it. It's a really good song. Yeah, you can do things your way. Why do you have to do this someone else's way? But what, why did you think that way? That was my question. Where would you want to see him? What's the venue? Would it be some smoky restaurant, bar? Would it be a bigger venue? As long as he answers my question, we can meet in the parking lot. That's not a problem. But I would like to take him out for dinner. I think he's a very, he's a very, he's, he's very classy. I like this guy. I'd like to go out with him to a fa- fancy restaurant, have a very nice meal. But there's something about, he has an aura. I really admire this guy. I like him. Of course he does. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Oh my God, you don't want to know. So many things. At one point, I wanted to be a nun. I really wanted to be a nun because, no. News anchor, for sure. For sure. A nun. A nun. And what else? I just wanted to be uh, different, really. This is what I really wanted to do. I wanted to be different. I kept thinking like, oh, no, this is like, too mainstream. No, I want to do something different. I want people to know that this is the girl that did something different. Yeah, we know her. Do you think you're doing something different now? I do. I do something very, I do. Yeah, I am different. Yeah. Yeah, I am different. You're, so many there's, different you're fascinating. I'll, I'll tell you that thus far. Don't know you too well, but I'm, I'm getting the gist. What is, okay, rapid fire questions. Sort of just need a quick answer. No dialogue unless I'm judgy. What's your go-to fast food restaurant? I don't eat fast food. I'm sorry. But what would it be? Shake Shack. I like it. It's a good one. It's a great one. What's your favorite type of pizza? Margarita. Oh, actually pepperoni. That's a good answer. Favorite TV show? Favorite TV show. I don't really watch a lot of TV, but I used to like uh, Seinfeld. That's the right answer. You're good at this. Favorite podcast? Obviously. Do I really need to say? I think so. I never assume. Yeah, no, I think your podcast is really good because it just like really helps you meet people. Again, we're back at learning, but there's really a lot of, it's it's inspiring. I like two right answers in a row. One for the good guy. What's your favorite month of the year? December. Oh, June. Well, June, I was born in December. It's Christmas and Jesus was born. So both of them are my favorite month, but one's in the winter, one's in summer. So fair game. Okay. So you're going to take 15 days of one, 15 days of the other. You can go with that. All right. What is your go-to alcoholic beverage? Mojito. Mm, that's a bit, that's very modern, I think. Has it changed over time? I got it. I guess it's changed. No, no, that is a constant. I don't really, I, yeah, I'm not, a, like, I do, I do drink wine and stuff, but when I want to drink something that's different, I just go to Mojito. I think it's safe. I know how it tastes and it's fine. Cat or dog person? dog oh i don't i'm sorry geez a visceral reaction do you have a favorite holiday when i say holiday i mean christmas or new year's oh either or no any holiday not vacation because you're more european than most very hard because in lebanon we actually do have two very big holidays which is the christmas and the new year's and then we have the easter holiday which is very nice so both of these holidays for me they're just like so so nice because their experiences are different very different like christmas obviously is the same as christmas all around the world but easter in lebanon is very special because you have lots of processions uh, you really feel what 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 happened what jesus felt what, what happened how well, there's a lot of we have something like on the thursday before good friday we visit like seven churches and everyone is on it there's so much traffic everyone is going around you meet everybody you meet your friends on the way you know oh you're going there yeah we just we were just there now i'm visiting this one it's, it's very interactive and nice i just love it is that why you wanted to be a nun? Because of no, no, it's because I'm very spiritual and I'm very religious. But you know, it wasn't when I was young. I just liked to be a nun. I don't know why. It's maybe because one of my nannies actually became a nun. So I really don't know. I was very young when I said that. But and you reported it on the news when your dad came in. And breaking news: your daughter wants to be a nun. Dad, <laughs> are you a morning or an evening person? Oh, no evening I could do both I'm good at whatever I decide to do but if I want to do it my way I would say evening right, so yeah. that's a reference well done what was your did you have a first car I did what was it uh, what was it was uh, Citroen okay yeah yes do you have a dream car to have a dream car that usually means no no I, I didn't until recently 
um, yeah, I think I saw, well, I saw, hmm, I'm not sure, but it's one of those fancy cars. Is there, I think it's a Rolls Royce or yeah, it's, or something. It's a Bentley? four by four. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's a Rolls Royce. Rolls Royces. I think it's an SUV or something. There's some new type of Rolls Royce that is not the very, you know, standard car. There's some new something. Not true. I might be wrong. I'm not too much into cars, but well, yeah. I saw it. I liked it. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I saw it. I liked it. It's my dream car. End of story. How many languages do you speak? I speak English, Arabic, French, and a little bit of German. Very little. Hmm. Well done. Any broken bones? No, thank God. Not so far. <laughs> Would you rather be a bird or a fish? Oh, bird. That's the right answer. Do you have a celebrity crush? Do I have a celebrity crush? Oh, I used to like Matt Damon so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Used to or still do? I do like him, but not. he's not my crush anymore. But I, <laughs> he was my crush. Because you've matured, right? It's, I'm a grown woman, Gary. I don't have crushes for crying out loud. What a stupid question. Do you have a fantasy career? You'd be great at it, anything. What would you want to do? Fantasy career. Oh, my God. I'm not sure what I would be. I would be a lot of things. The theme of this podcast. Yeah. What would I be if I had a fantasy career? Anything. You'd be great at it. Well, I might be, I'm a good, a great public speaker, so I could be a very good oh. politician Oh, or yeah, or I could be a really good army general, or <laughs> I could be, I could be an actress. I can act. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good at acting. That's a good one. I like that. Final couple questions. Dinner with anybody dead or alive. And I felt like you were precursoring this with my previous question, but I'll throw it out there. Who would you want to have dinner with? Anybody dead or alive? I'm not going to say because it's too risky. The real answer, I'll tell you later. But someone else would be uh, Charles de Gaulle. Okay. What would you talk about? The actor, right? Uh, no, Charles de Gaulle. Yeah. Politician. Yeah, yeah. He's a politician. Gotcha. Okay. What would you talk about? A lot of things. Oh, boy. Yeah. I would just, I would just sit and tell him, tell me. I want to listen. What are you talking <laughs> about? You... Tell me. Okay. <laughs> Anything. His vision, his understanding, how he approached very complex, uh, you know, issues, things like that. Yeah, I would. Okay. Final question. How do you want to be remembered? As the person who gave a lot of things. And he gave so much. The person that gave a lot to so many people. Well done. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Maya, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate you and your energy. And boy, I learned a lot. Got a lot of notes here. So thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.